3: Well, um, where to begin? I'm completely lost for words. Hello and welcome to the latest Forza Italian Football Podcast. I am your host, I think, Connor Clancy. Um, joining me this week for a, a special two-man show is the returning Nicholas Carroll. Nick, it was always going to be good to have you back, but given what's just happened tonight, it's it's more special than we ever could have hoped for.
0: Uh, absolutely amazing. i I don't think I could have uh, ever picked a better week to uh, return from my little absence there, so um yeah, kind of speechless at the moment, we're still kind of trying to calm each other down before going live to air but uh yeah it's it's good it's good to be uh good to be talking that um in s- being so late in April it's um very exciting to uh to be talking about the things that we're going to get into soon,
3: yeah well. Just to give the listeners and viewers as well a a peek behind the curtain. Normally, before we record, we send out the invitations. We start chatting for about 10 minutes. General Smalltalk, how are you? Talk about the weekend's action today. Myself and Nick pretty much just sat in silence saying, wow, unbelievable to each other back and forth because we didn't really know what else to say. And that is because, as I'm sure everyone listening and watching is aware, Napoli only went to Turin and scored a 90th-minute winner to beat Juventus and close the gap at the top of the Serie A table to just one point. And I was saying to Nick that normally, this is what Juve do. When Napoli got that corner in the 90th minute, I was thinking to myself, if this was down the other end, Juve would score this. And then that cross came in, and you could just see Koulibaly running and leaping like something I've never seen before and I, I tweeted that there was no object or no person on earth that was going to stop him from getting to that ball and he just rocketed it past Gianluigi Buffon. Nick, how did you feel when that went in?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean obviously I'm somewhat of a neutral in this match but you know, we've made no secrets of our um, wishes for, for someone different to win the Serie A this season. And, um, yeah, I was ecstatic messaging my Napoli uh, mates, Caterina, who I'm sure you would all be familiar with by now. Um, she was in tears. Uh, so, I mean, there, there were shots there of all the Napoli supporters even in the stadium all crying and on the phone. And, I mean, you can see how much it means to them, but um, I think how, how much it means to Italian football supporters. It's just... it's it's incredible it's um yeah when he put that in I was in shock I I, I must admit I was starting to think if a four-point gap would be too much I had already kind of starting to concede that it was, it was going to end in a draw so um and you know to be honest I was a bit disappointed with um Sari's substitution so I was thinking about all of that and then boom didn't matter didn't matter so um yeah absolutely incredible
3: yeah, I, like you, was talking to Kat throughout that game. We tend to talk whenever Napoli play and the games have been... They, they've been tense all the time lately because of what's on the line. But when that goal went in, I just messaged her freaking out in all caps and she just got back to me after the whistle saying, I am crying, man. I am crying. And I have actually spoken to Kat as well tonight. So for those of you listening and not watching it live, you will hear an insert from a conversation I have with Katerina, and it is very clear that she is emotional tonight. The emotion comes across in her voice. You can hear the adrenaline. Um, her, of course, being Neapolitan.
4: Oh,
5: now, guys, I'm without voice. I cannot believe it. Uh, it's been an incredible match. And I don't know, I have no words at, <laughs> at the moment uh we believe it, we push it and all in the especially in the second half and I don't know <laughs> I need to read right now, but um, the season is still open and now Napoli need to to push it and try to be concentrated for this last these last games and hopefully, Everything will're gonna be, I don't know, <laughs> try to be positive and you would mm, played, but I don't know, I had the feeling that they played for a, a draw and so probably Allegri made the wrong de- decision. But uh, I don't know, maybe Sari has also made the, the right choices during the game. And I'm really, really happy, and they totally deserve it. Totally, totally. Uh, and now, I don't know, I don't know what to say. for San Napoli, and well, the Serie A is still competi- competitive, and I'm really, really happy about that. Yeah.
3: If we can actually start to talk about this game, I quite enjoyed the first half. I thought Napoli were very good. They really didn't give Juve a sniff and they looked like the team who were the better of the two by a mile, really. There was no contest, but it was still scoreless and quite crucially, it was still scoreless because the more it ticked on, the more you thought Napoli's chances of winning this game and indeed the Scudetto were just fading away from them.
0: Yeah, I think from the outset, I think everyone could already see that Napoli did want the win more than Juventus, but uh, they started with a lot more energy. They were pushing up really high and putting uh, Juve under some pressure. But, you know, we've seen how many matches between these two teams, almost a replica where Juve will just absorb, 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 and then hit them, and then, you know, that's pretty much the game. So... while it was promising to see a lot of that play in the back of my mind, I'm just thinking when are Juve just going to do what they usually do and strike back. So, you know, I was a bit apprehensive throughout most of the match. And as you said, it was goalless in half time, and I was, yeah, it it was hard to see whether Napoli would be able to keep their energy up. And um, I think more as we got into the second half, we started to realize that uh, Juve were actually happy to draw this and, I don't think you can necessarily criticise them for that. I think that's fair enough from Allegri, um, particularly, you know, given there's only a certain amount of games left and a four-point gap was would prob- most probably be enough for them to win the title. So, you know, barring that header, it was po- possibly the right strategy. But, um, yeah, it's um, it, 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 for so much of that game, it was looking like the typical... Juve would absorb, 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 and then just get the result they needed in the way they usually do. As you said, you were this uh, in terms of a corner. It would usually be Juve that's that's taking the game away from the the opposition. So um, yeah, it was good to see this one flipped on its head. I guess
3: to kind of put this into a bit more context, this is the first time that Napoli have won away to Juventus since October two thousand and nine, which is. 10 years ago, nearly. But it's incredible. I, I don't think, this, this isn't how it was supposed to go. If if you look at what everybody had been saying in the last couple of weeks, it was that the title race is dead because Napoli can't go to Turin and win. It, it's done. Well, Juve are ahead. They're not going to lose any ground. But Sari brought his team to Turin and he, he said to everybody that he wasn't going to change the way they play. And to his credit, they didn't. The gap is now a point. Juve still have to go to both Inter and Roma. Uh, Juve are, are still favourites, right? Because they are
0: still top, so we have to still consider them to be favourites. Yeah, I, th- I think Juve deserve to be favourites. You can't, as long as they're on top of the table, they they deserve it. They, you know, I mean, there's no better word to use for that. But I mean, geez, I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't have picked like a a tougher run. Well, I mean, you could have, but. Um, it's it's going to be oh, like I, I'm just looking at the fixtures and I'm like my mouth's salivating because obviously you've got the Derby d'Italia next week um, and then Roma will come basically almost I think four days after the, the Coppa Italia final against AC Milan. So Juve have a few matches within there as well to make it that little bit more difficult. So, um, yeah, they deserve to be favourites but Napoli... Look, I mean, particularly because Napoli, they, let's be honest, they haven't been in the, the best form of late, so they do have those kind of draws in them. So you just kind of hope, or well, if, if you are you are from that Neapolitan perspective, you just got to hope that that extra motivation now and having that, that title so close to them one point away, that will give them that extra motivation to win the games they need to and then hope that uh, the likes of Inter or Roma will, do the job so to say it is to be
3: fair it is worth noting noting that Napoli haven't got the easiest of run-ins either it's it is slightly easier than Juventus's but they do face Fiorentina and Sampdoria both away I think the Fiorentina game is away the Sampdoria one definitely is and then Torino and Cortona are games that you would expect them to win in there but Sampdoria have been very good at home this season Fiorentina okay they're going through a bit of a, a blip now at the moment, but. Up until, what, two weeks ago, they were the form team and Serie A were seven wins in a row or something like that. So it's not going to be easy. But we did, um for Italian Football on Twitter, at Serie A FFC, put up a question. Simple question, with four games to go, who wins the Scudetto? And then a list of both teams' fixtures. And I'm just going to read out the replies so far. Napoli, Juve for sure. Napoli, 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 Napoli. Um which is insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think if we ask that question tomorrow, we might get a different response, given the emotion of everything that's just happened. But how good is it, Nick, to even be talking about a title race in Serie A at this point of the season? I I wanted to get that sentiment out there before tonight's games, because I was pessimistic enough in thinking that there was a good chance Juve could kill it off. Um, but it's just so nice to actually have two teams who could still win the title coming towards the end of April isn't
0: it that's it's yeah it's so good I mean I feel I feel like even Juve fans will be almost slightly in the back of their minds like oh that's kind of nice to have a bit of competition this this season so you know I think it probably even be getting boring for them so um, I, I mean this is just positive for Serie A for Italian football as a whole I mean a lot of us have been you know trying to promote the a lot of the good that's been happening in Italian football in the in recent years, given you know the past decade's um, issues, let's say, um, there's been a lot to to get excited about, and now we're actually seeing something that we've all been wishing for: a title race. And you know, we've seen the Premier League, Manchester City have been already um, named crowned as champions. The uh, league is pretty much all Barca's, Uh The league 1 is done. And Serbia is going, and it's not only up the top. It's for Champions League, it's for Europa, and it's for relegation. Like Serbia is so far above any other competition in Europe in terms of competitiveness this season. So um, it's it's good to see them. Hopefully, more and more of these um, you know alternative fans, alternative fans across Europe are taking note and jumping on the bandwagon.
3: I did see a a nice tweet, actually. I'll just drag it up now. So the gap between first and second among Europe's other top leagues in France, Ligue 1, 20 points. Bundesliga, 18 points. Premier League, 16 points. La Liga, 11 points. And in Serie A, just one point. It's it's beautiful. It really is. Because other seasons you would have Juve at the top of that list with a 19-point gap. But... I don't want to go down this path too much because the only thing more boring than people who call Italian football boring are those who argue it by saying it in response. So we won't get down that path. But as you said, there's one point separating first and second. Um, Third, fourth and fifth are all separated by one point. Sixth and seventh, one point. And then down at the bottom, we've got Benevento who are all but relegated. We'll get to them later. It's amazing. Benevento Benevento beat Milan this week and we might only give them two minutes at the end. (laughs) Spal are in the last relegation spot at the moment on 29 points and all the way up as far as 14th, their Cagliari on 33 could very easily still get out. It's a good season to be following Serie A and the next couple of weeks, it's kind of annoying that I am incredibly busy because I'm going to have to try and find time to watch every Serie A game that I can. But uh, if we're going to talk about this game specifically, Paolo Dybala, again, in a big game, didn't quite do it. He was dragged off at time. I know Juve didn't have all that much of the ball in the first half, but Dybala's got to be doing better. It, we did get a question in the comments from um, Paul Lunardi, who wants to know, Nick, what do you think of Dybala being hooked at half time?
0: Yeah, um, I mean, I said earlier that you can't really um, blame Allegri for the way he approached it, and... To be honest, um, you know, the same goes for that substitution. I, he was um, barely relevant in the first half and, uh, you know, I think there was, I mean, obviously on Quadrado and I think he became more relevant when he put, um, entered the field. So, you know, while you want to play like that, that can obviously win a game, I just don't think Juve were playing well enough to, to get in their position enough times. Um, you know, it, it did suit more of a higuain style um, finish, so to say. Um, but yeah, it's it's disappointing, I guess, from a Juventus perspective that Dybala has has that tendency to just kind of go missing when when you see on other occasions he's just so uh, crucial and so you know diabolical in in that in his position. But, but I, I think it took balls to to sub him, but I think it was the right decision. Obviously, he won't be uh, commended for it, given that they lost. But, uh, you know, as I said before, up until that 90, or 89th, 90th minute goal, um, I think he was very much vindicated by a lot of what he did in, throughout that match, Allegri.
3: Yeah, I felt quite sorry for Gonzalo Eguyen in this game because, well, to an extent, because he did leave Napoli to win the Scudetto. So it, it, it was quite nice to see Napoli getting <laughs> one over on him. But... He was completely isolated, and he tried to drop deep. He tried to hold the ball up when he could, but he just didn't have a chance. Raúl Albiol and Kalidou Koulibaly did brilliantly against them whenever they got the chance. And again, there are just so many remarkable statistics that are coming out of this game. And there was one: Juventus fired no shots on target in a Serie A home match for the first time since they moved to their current stadium in 2011, which. It's just amazing, and everyone talks about this Napoli team as being free-flowing and brilliant in attack, which they unquestionably are, but they, at the same time, overlook just how good of a defensive system that is because they've only conceded 23 goals in Sariada this season, second only to Juventus, and conceding 23 goals out of 34 games is a ridiculously good turnaround. Do we, sometimes, are we ourselves are guilty of overlooking just how good they are at the back because of how good they are
0: going forward? Oh, 100%. They're somewhat the unsung heroes, uh, you know, the the centre-backs and, you know, even that midfield three, um, to some extent, uh, they very much make that that solid structure that, that the forwards are able to build upon and, you know, score goals as a result of. So, um, yeah, you know, while Juve... You know, you could say they, it wasn't their best game, but to be honest, Napoli didn't allow them to play their football. Napoli controlled the match from from the first half, from the first blow of the whistle. They were pressuring Juve. They didn't allow them time on the ball. They weren't able to play their brand of football. Um, Napoli took it to them. And as you said, the the defensive work was um, incredible. Um, you know, kulibali and Elbi Al- will probably two of the most consistent defenders in the league this season. Um, don't hear about them probably as often as we should, but um, they're consistently doing their job. Um, you know, sometimes Napoli's attack doesn't quite hit the mark, but, um, you know, the defenders are, always seem to be doing their job. Um, so, yeah, it's it's I guess it's good in that way that Koulibaly actually got the winner because he actually gets the a lot of the credit that, you know he he possibly has missed out on during the season so he will be forever that hero that scored that the late winner um against juventus, juventus and possibly uh, the 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 match that led to a serie a title
3: right we've Maybe. been going on we have been going on about this game for coming up to 20 minutes Let's now. Let's keep going. Let's keep we, going. We probably should have just used this as a an extra podcast, to be fair, because there's enough in it, even if it was just the one goal <laughs> and it came in the 90th minute. But uh, the comments coming in live as well seem to be in agreement with what we saw on our Twitter poll that the Scudetto is Napoli's to lose. I'm not quite going to be that brave yet because Juve have been here before. You know, they know what they're doing six times in a row. It's not by fluke. So... But there's definitely, there's definitely an interesting title race until Napoli go and lose to Fiorentina next week, uh, right? Uh, we mentioned Benevento beating AC Milan, so we're going to move on to that now because that was just brilliant. Um, what struck me about this was that you, you cannot even argue that Benevento didn't deserve to win this because Milan, okay, they had more shots and whatever, but. Half of them came from Jack Bonaventura and Suso just shooting from 20 yards through a crowd of defenders. And what really struck me about this game were the comments that Gennaro Gattuso made afterwards. Um, he said, It's clear to see the team is on a downward spiral. When you play without any soul, you get embarrassed like this. He called his players soulless and acknowledged that they had been embarrassed, which you don't really get from a top flight coach it was baffling to me and I did enjoy that Cattuzo has faced Benevento twice this season and he hasn't beaten them he's he's drawn and won or drawn and lost obviously uh the first one was when Alberto Brignoli got that stunning diving header to equalize in the last minute but Nick uh, do you want to start with Cattuzo's comments here or or what actually happened on the pitch
0: yeah I mean I'm happy to start with those comments um it was um it's it's just interesting that he's saying that because when he first came on you know a, a lot of people both for and against Katuso said you know at least the one kind of positive about him is that he's going to bring heart like fight spirit to this team and now he's he's criticizing that that exact facet that he was supposed to bring to the team which i find very very interesting well, Nick, um, sorry yeah it's
3: ask, but he he did uh, actually go on from there. He went on to say, I can't come here and say things that aren't true. It's obvious we are struggling. We don't even need the opponents to do anything extraordinary to beat us. We go in late, sluggish, withdrawn. That is our problem. But what's he doing? Surely his job is to make sure that those things are in place.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, you know, in, in some ways you want to commend him for being so honest and you know that's just the person Gattuso is we all pretty much know that already but on the other hand it's probably not the type of things um you know said the, the the head coach should be saying in public um i think there's a, a, an element of man management uh, or player management team management even that um that's possibly being lost in comments like that um you know he he needs to motivate not kind of um yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that's the best way to go about it, but, look, that's that's good to say. You can't kind of employ him and then criticise him for saying whatever goes through his head or doing whatever goes through his head. Like, um, you know, he's always going to be brash and that's a part of it. But, um, I mean, you know, you can't really argue with his comments in, in saying that because uh, one point against Benevento in two matches mm-hmm. is just... It's unacceptable. It's It's just, it's laughable. It's embarrassing. There's lots of adjectives to use, but um, um, I'm sure a lot of Inter fans would would say it's hilarious. But um, yeah, are you you one of
3: those Inter fans who would say it's hilarious?
0: Oh, I, 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 yes. I mean, it is funny. It's funny. I think even some Milan supporters kind of have to laugh at that because if you don't (laughs) laugh, you're going to (laughs) cry.
3: I think they've been laughing enough for the last what six years. Um, Atalanta are ahead of them again in the table, but don't worry, we'll get to that. Looking at Milan's results since the what the thirty first of March, they've lost three one to Juve, drew it Inter, drew it Sassuolo, drew it Napoli. How annoying is that? Now, by the way, if Napoli had beaten Milan, uh, they drew it Torino, and they've been beaten by Benevento. That's appalling. And um, is that? I don't know if the timeline matches up, but is that since Katusa was given his new deal till 2021, which which is funny. Um, I'm I'm sorry, Milan fans. We gave you guys enough praise when you were doing well for a month or two. Let us have our fun because your sit your club situation <laughs> is pretty funny for a neutral. Nick, you, you wanted to do your usual thing and bring up Vincenzo Montella. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, not, not specifically, but... Um, <laughs> I <laughs> no, put it in running
3: order as Gattuso bashing, so bash away. <laughs> See, I
0: look, I have nothing against Gattuso. I, I think he's blameless in this. I was always, obviously, of the opinion that, well, firstly, Gattuso was not the man for the job, but I guess before that even, that um, it was harsh to have sacked Montella so early um, with the new squad. And... Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read, read you a little quote, Connor, from a, a nice little uh, video that was done. I'm not sure by who, but um, it's on the Forza Italian Football website. It was, when, uh, it was during Milan's big streak, and the quote is, the real challenge will come will be in the coming weeks. Motivation is high, but we're yet to see how this team goes once the novelty of the new coach starts to wear off. Things simply can't keep going as well as they have been this year and um it goes on to mention that they're going to play four of the top seven teams and all that um it's a, it's a great piece i thoroughly recommend anyone should watch it just for some perspective on things all things milan unbelievable pause the, it, pause time for YouTube page. It
3: Yeah um yeah fair play for the plug for the website do go watch that video <laughs> nick or i continue but be less arrogant please <laughs>
0: sorry. sorry it's it's rare, when you, when you're rarely right. It's sometimes it's just nice to um to just gloat in it for a little bit. But um no um look I mean again it's I don't have nothing against Gattuso I I just purely think he was a wrong man for the job and I think you know obviously I'm on all these random Serie forums and whatnot on Facebook and then obviously all the Twitter crowd that I'm amongst um. You get the AC Milan crowd. There's a lot of them always. They seem to dominate the kind of, <laughs> dominate the news feed. But it was all kind of Montella out, Montella out, and Montella went, and then it was Gattuso in. And then it was like, well, we want a Montella out, but Gattuso is not the man for the job. And then they went, eventually went on a winning streak, and it was Gattuso like is God, he's working miracles, and now it's kind of a bit quiet, to be honest. I think they've all kind of retreated somewhat. Um, but I just think, well, you know, is is Gattuso being treated um, judged in the same way that Montella was? Because in terms of a win percentage, Montella had forty three percent wins for this season. Gattuso only has forty five percent, and this is obviously Gattuso has the had the advantage of coming in after the team's been together for four or five months already. Uh, during Montella's time, they were playing many more games with both Europa and the Coppa Italia as well. So. Um, I think it just goes to show and emphasise the the fact that potentially changing wasn't the right way. And I said at the time that they Milan would have done better under Montella this season, and I still 100% stick by that. I think they would have. They would have improved either way. Um, again, it's nothing against Cattuso. It's, it's more a club management thing. The, it's a consistency thing. We're, we're, we saw the improvement that the team had once was, the combination started growing. But is Gattuso, you know, a mastermind coach? No. I mean, I don't think anyone really thought that. But that's that's my two cents.
3: No, I think well, you're I mean, right. Um, Gattuso, <laughs> without taking away from the good work that he did there, because he does deserve credit for getting them through that little winning run. Even me saying a little winning run is quite condescending, but they did beat teams you would expect them to beat, but with the way the morale was, there's no saying they would have done that. He he put players where they wanted to play. He played a system that suited the team that he had there and he deserves credit for doing something so simple, I guess, but uh, them giving him a, the new contract until 2021 was just absolute madness. We, we did say it at the time, but What are they thinking doing that midseason? Just Gattuso isn't the man to take Milan forward. We've seen that in the jobs that he's done previously. Where Palermo, Sion, and God knows wherever else he was, I can't really remember off the top of my head, but he was never doing something impressive that warranted him getting the job at San Siro. But he deserves credit for what he did. And he equally has to take the blame for what's happening now. One of the comments come in saying, it's no secret. Milan don't have any Cardi or Immobile. I'm not quite sure it's that simple because you don't necessarily need to have one player who can score you loads of goals to get the job done. I know having Nikola Kalinic as one of your striking options doesn't help things a great deal. And when Andre Silva is failing to kick the football six yards from goals, from go- that isn't going to help things either. And Catrone is... Quite understandably, going through a bit of a drought at the moment, given it's his first season as a professional footballer. Really, Um, (laughs) Nick, you've had a shot been taken at you in the comments. If anyone knows about Uh, the destabilizing results of sacking managers, it's Inter fans, which I guess is true. You've lived through this, one hundred percent. Kieran, I I
0: agree.
3: Yeah, fair enough. Kieran says one player definitely won't save Milan, and. I'm inclined to agree with that. <laughs> Ricardo Merletti has come in and said, Atalanta, <laughs> We will get there. Don't you worry about it. Um, look at this. There's a demand, Nick. I can't leave them out. <laughs> oh God.
0: What? Don't what? encourage him.
3: <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, actually, I'm going to give myself some credit. I've stayed pretty quiet about them this season because I went off on it last year when they finished fourth. But what do Milan do this summer? Because Gattuso is staying, rightly or wrongly, Um they might have to sell a few players. Andre Silva might be off. Kalinic should be off. So they might have to go and sign a new striker again. There's rumours about Souza. It looks like Pepe Reina is going to come in. Maybe Jose Calihan. What else do they do?
1: Ready to pop the question?
2: slash acast
0: It's hard because they spent so much money last uh in the summer transfer window and which came with huge expectations but and now it's it seems like and it's almost a replica of what happened at Inter it's going to be over the summer okay how can we quickly fix things short term to make sure we're winning this season and then if things don't happen again within six months something changes and then it's that ongoing short-term outlook at some point Milan needs to step back and have a long-term view of this and accept the fact that okay possibly one or two seasons we need to suffer so we can actually build a strong team so and that might be selling some of the players they've bought in they need to they need to build a structure there. So, there might be a, a few key players that they have bought there that they have. And I think there are those kind of players there. Um, the likes of Frank Kessie, uh Bonaventura. Um, you know, there, there, there are some key elements there that you can build a team around. Obviously, Benucci um, in, in defense is a key one as well. He's still got a few years left in him. And he's the kind of player that can hand it over to someone in, you know, four or five years. So I think it's just, I don't think there's anything Milan do, can do to all of a sudden just change things for next season and go straight into Champions League. I think that was the that was the mistake. They were looking at Champions League qualification when they weren't potentially ready for it. And, you know, they made probably too many signings last season. It was too much change at once. So a lot, it has to be a longer-term outlook. And then, look, if, if things happen quicker than they planned, then fantastic. I mean, there's, you know, there's no problem with that. That's amazing. But if as long as you have a short-term outlook, things just aren't going to improve. And, you know, just as the commenter said before, Inter, like the coach, Inter is the perfect example of that in terms of the squad because they've been doing this for pretty much since 2010 and it's only this season that we might actually, you know, well, I mean, fourth I mean, the fact that Inter's uh, going to be celebrating fourth kind of tells you everything, doesn't it? So,
3: I I had this conversation, well, something similar to what you just ended on, with someone who's not exactly a keen follower of Serie A, but he keeps half an eye on it. And he was saying that, we're talking about the Milan derby, and his argument was that it's not really worth as much as it was because the, the aim or the objective at the end of winning the Milan derby this year was... The possibility of qualifying for the Champions League, whereas before these games were in the semi and quarterfinals of Champions Leagues, they were they were targeting the Scudetto. But Inter have been nowhere for a few years now. They haven't been in the Champions League in what five years. So for the fact the fact that they can they're one point off returning to the Champions League is progress for them this year. So I guess this is a nice little way to segue into Inter. But did a big Kiev at the weekend two one. I know it's not exactly a convincing score but Kievo don't really make it easy for teams so Inter will be happy to leave Verona with three points I'm sure but it was a on and that again who got the goals as they so often do Nick, I will confess I've not watched any of this game because I really struggle to watch Inter <laughs> and if there's one team I avoid every week it's Kievo. so what happened here? Do you want to fill me in?
0: Yeah, I mean to be honest, it wasn't the greatest game. Uh, Kiev came out of the blocks uh, much stronger than Inter, and they were pushing in the first twenty minutes. They they were possibly unlucky to score actually I uh, think because uh, Pucciarelli hit the post. Um, so they, they were better. They were the better team for um, certain parts of the game by far. Um, Eventually Inter kind of grew into it and uh, obviously then, you know, Icardi and um, the likes of actually Karamo and Rafinha were, they they built a great combination, particularly uh, for that second goal, uh, Ivan Perisic's goal that's well worth a look. It was a beautiful team move um, from Karamo to Rafinha with a beautiful touch to Perisic who finished. Um, so, yeah, you know, it was the the same score as As we've kind of seen when Icardi and Perisic score, then Inter seem to be doing well. So as long as they keep going, there's lots of positives for Inter. But in saying that, it was uh, far too close than it should have been at the end there. I mean, um, there was a 90th-minute goal for Kievo and then basically with the last touch, Kievo was just inches away from a touch to to equalise. It was... uh, it was far too close for Inter, and um, to be honest, um, I wasn't happy with the way that uh, Spiletti ended that game. They'd scored two goals in the space of ten minutes, with uh, about half hour to go, and then not long after that, made a substitution, taking off Jan Caramo for Davide Santon, and essentially going five at the back, uh, which which confused me because they weren't Chiave wasn't necessarily pushing much. Uh, Inter was in control at that stage and there was no reason why they couldn't, you know, after two quick goals, go on to get a third or a fourth. But that kind of gave Chievo a a way back into the match and eventually, as you saw, they took that. It was late and Inter did escape. But I'm not sure it's the right mindset. I remember Stefano Pioli doing this for a match last season and it cost Inter dearly. Um, So, you know, it was strange because it was against kievo so i wonder you know next week against juventus what what does spalletti do then because if he doesn't trust his team to finish off kievo how are they going to hold a lead against a juventus so it's um
3: you're an interesting did you, one. Just, did you just ask the question how are they going to hold the lead against juventus do you think Inter are going to take the lead <laughs> well i mean <laughs> <laughs> um, I think everyone wants that to finish scoreless, except for Juventus fans, don't they? Because that just makes things so good in Serie A. And it is, maybe we've got to be carried away at the start, but we are all neutrals in this title race. But for Napoli to win it would just be so, so special because it breaks that monopoly Juve have had in the league. And for Napoli to win their first in close to 30 years since Diego Maradona played for them would just be, incredible and it's exactly what this current team and Maurizio Sari deserve but we're getting sidetracked as soon as we moved on to Inter I realized that we didn't speak about Benevento at all for beating Milan at San Siro so we're going to go back forget about Inter Chievo go back up to San Siro and this could be the last time we speak about Benevento for another couple of years because they are going to get relegated they're on 17 points which when you consider they didn't pick up their first point until the 15th or 16th round. That's quite good. They've won five games and drawn two. I, I'm going to miss them, to be honest, because I've watched them quite a few times this season. And I don't think I've seen them play badly. It's really bizarre because they, how many points have they thrown away after the 90th minute? And, and I know that is literally part of the football match, but they don't deserve to be quite as bad as they are. And I think if they got that first point in week five, they would be absolutely fine by now, because they've got the players they've got they seem to have a really good team spirit. and I don't know, I've just really enjoyed having Benevento in serreal this year. Uh, do you want do you want to send a farewell message to the not yet relegated witches of the South? <laughs>
0: Yeah, it is a bit sad. I do agree. Like, there's obviously there's been those few games where you know there's been big scores against them, but generally speaking, they've been in a lot of matches. Um, even when they have conceded a couple late ones, you know they've been in the match for the majority of the of the ninety minutes. Um, there's a lot of one one goal uh, losses in there, even against the likes of Juventus. Um, so it's it is a bit. Um, it is going to be sad, but I, th- I think we should like still have like a feature each week about Serie Benevento, Watch or something, just to make sure that they're going to give them that extra motivation to come back for the next season, so we can talk about them again because it has been fun having them in the the league. They're they're a nice team to have, and we're, we're all about Southern Italian teams here. at Fif, well, I am anyway. So
3: <laughs> we'll get to the other Southern Italian team soon. Um, we're getting hate for talking about Benevento because apparently he oh, hate Milan. Um, yeah, there you go. Sorry, Abdul, I'm not really. But, yeah, we've been defended. Ah, I haven't heard anything that wasn't objective here. Milan's platform is Thanks funny. Pleasure. They spent a lot of money. But, guys, um,
0: I mean, Nick, yeah, winless in you... six matches, we have to discuss their, their negatives, unfortunately. We did speak about their positives for quite a few weeks, so... um. um you
3: know. Yeah, we to be fair, Sorry. we praise them for beating teams like, what, Crutoni or something, so it's fair. Brian Bolden. Oh, he's a familiar name from Twitter. Welcome along, Brian. I don't think I've seen you in the live comments here, but thanks for having our back. <laughs> Let's just let that kick off in the comments again. It, it, CM Fox <laughs> doesn't seem to be here, so we do need someone to fight with the rest of them yeah. in his absence. Uh, Nick? I think it's time, is it? What's it time for? EU Atalanta. The boys boys made the most... I might a cup of coffee. (laughs) No, to be fair, this is going to be... I need you for this. Because it's been an incredible weekend. Sampdoria were beaten. Fiorentina were beaten. Milan were beaten. And then Atalanta beat Torino. So the four teams now beneath Atalanta all lost... And Atalanta climbed up into sixth place, which is the the one automatic or the second of the two automatic Europa League places. Of course, there will probably be a third because of the the Coppa Italia final between Juve and Milan. But look, we've spoken about how much money Milan has spent this summer. Atalanta started a game against Inter with 14 fit outfield players and a Gambian kid playing up front who was starting in Serie A for the first time, these guys deserve enormous credit. And it probably it probably comes across as being a little bit more worthless when it's coming from me because I obviously am a bit biased. But Nick, can you give them some praise? Because I don't think people listen to me when I talk about how good Atalanta are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean... Yeah, I mean the the Torino match obviously is um, is a great win. Torino have been in form too. It's worth pointing out they haven't lost in five matches before that. They'd beaten Inter and drew with Milan. Um, you know they, they are hard to beat. Um, they can be quite hard to beat. So no, it was a good. It was a really good victory that made it two in a row. And obviously with Milan losing, uh, put them up um, into sixth place. So. It's made for a, a juicy finish, and on form, you have to say that Atalanta are the favourites to to take that spot. Um, it is going to be it's going to be a juicy, juicy finish. But you know, you think Sampdoria, three points behind Milan, probably out of it now. Well, Fiorentina and Sampdoria, I should say, they're both on fifty one points. Um, you know, they'll have to rely on a number of drop points, but, um, between those two matches, it could come down to the the last one. So, and yeah, like I said, the forms with Atalanta and for them to pull out that kind of result with the team, as you mentioned, it's, um, you know, they deserve a, a lot of credit for that.
3: I'm just looking back at the the results since the turn of the year and I'm starting to doubt my own eyes and my own brain because from what I can see, Atalanta went through a bit of a, a dodgy patch there before the Benevento and Inter game. But the only teams to beat Atalanta this year are Juventus, Napoli, and Borussia Dortmund, which is ridiculous when you consider they've they beat Napoli just before the turn of the year, or that was just after the new year, and they beat Roma and they've drawn with Inter. For them to only be beaten by Serie A's top two and The second best team arguably in Germany is astonishing when you look even deeper and see the players that they've lost in the last year and going back further it becomes even more ridiculous and they've been without Yossi Bilicic for the last couple of weeks as well who is who has been their main creative spark this season even more so than Papa Gomez because he's just been amazing it really does look like now with what four games left that they are going to be in Europe again next year. They've got Genoa at home coming up, and then they've got two tricky games. They play Lazio away and Milan at home. Last year, of course, that Milan game was the one that sealed the Europa League for them. So for them to do it against Milan again this year would be incredible. And then they go to Sardinia to face Cagliari on the last day of the season. But this is amazing for Atalanta. Before last year... Their record ever points tally in Serie A was just fifty two points. Last year they got seventy two and finished fourth. This year they're already on fifty five, so it's a it's a really good time to be involved with Atalanta. I'm sure. And Gasparini looks like he's going to stay a little longer. He's been saying that he, he's learned to appreciate to be where he's loved, and with a possible vacancy opening up at Napoli, it's it, it's quite nice to hear him say things like that because. You would imagine he would be high on their list of priorities given the work he's done, not only in Bergamo, but with Genoa before that. And, of course, the Italian national team job is vacant as well. So a lot of people will be calling for him to get that job. Uh, Brian Bolden has come in and said, hate to say it, but Napoli are going to lose next week to Fiorentina.
4: No! Brian,
3: come on. Don't say it. Don't ruin the fun for everyone Keep the
4: else. Faith, Brian. <laughs>
3: Right, Nick, um, we're going to talk about things to have happened down the bottom because surprisingly, well, surprisingly, Sassuolo did beat Fiorentina. So there you go, Brian. If you can't beat Sassuolo, don't be talking about beating the um, the possible champions elect because you need to walk before you can run. But Curtone did beat Udinese away from home, and that does not only... Give Crotone a very good chance of staying up. Of course, it takes them out of the bottom three above Spal, but it drags the Denese right into it. We'll talk about crotone first, Nick, because when they stayed up last year, it was against all odds, and we kind of just assumed that oh, they might get in next year. But they've got a good chance of making it three seasons in a row in the top tier, of Serie A.
0: Yeah, uh, let's let's hope so. But um, they just they always seem to have that extra bit of fight when it really comes down to it, and. We've seen that, obviously, against Juventus uh, last week to, to pull out a 1-1 draw. That was, I mean, probably more impressive. Well, it was more impressive than their win even this uh, this week. So that they have this, I, don't, I think it's just spirit or heart or team cohesiveness, whatever you want to call it, but they're just able to go up that extra level and just compete and fight for every single ball, Um and you know they're, they're just you know the quality isn't always that great, but I just I do love watching them. They're just they 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 play with a lot of heart, and um, it's good to have those kind of teams in in the league. I think so. It it's it, it to be honest, that win makes it so interesting there because you've got thirty one points, thirty one points, Kievo and Cortoni. I mean, to think that Kievo could go down um, at the start of the season, you'd be like, it's they they're safe but um yeah it's incredible even Udinese's, i mean they've just lost how many in a row now um their their form's probably the worst Well, it is the worst in serie a at the moment so and spal um i almost feel bad for them that they've actually fell back into the the drop zone because before um uh, before the loss against roma um they were undefeated in uh, eight matches so you know they've been strong themselves obviously a lot of draws in that six draws and two wins but you know they, they've showed a lot themselves and I think they've showed a lot that almost make me want them to stay up as well so um it's a matter of yeah I'm, I'm not sure who I want to go down I definitely don't want Crotona down I don't want Spile down so uh that kind of leaves Udinese and Kievo. but I know we have um two invested uh people in those two teams so um I know who I want
3: to get in. <laughs> uh, oh boy, Nick, do I know who I want to get in? The Zebrete are tumbling and I will be happy to see the back of them and that pest Sonia Missio. Because that will just keep that girl quiet for at least one year. Although actually if they win something, if oh can you imagine if they went down and won Serie B, how and so for all that girl would be. Uh but yeah, it is a shame that there's a very good chance we will lose either one of Crotone or Spa. Because you mentioned it about Crotone and everything you said about them could be applied to Spa in that they play good football. Hmm. Uh, Vito Doria has been on here singing the praises countless times this season for that very reason. Um, I'd be the same. It would be a real shame to see them go down. They've got a good enough... It's always a dangerous thing to say, but they genuinely do have a good enough squad to stay up. And just for the way they play alone they should stay up above Chievo or Udinese because no one likes, except for the most miserable man I have on FIF in Dovce Givane, nobody likes Chievo. Um, not even anybody in Verona would be disappointed to see them drop down a tier. And at least the derby della Scala remains in Serie B Then that way. But I really want Udinese to get relegated. Sorry to any other Zebrete supporters we have listening to this podcast except Sonya. um uh, but it does look like Verona will be joining Benevento down there as well as one of countless other teams really well there's, there's
0: some big fixtures coming up just in that match I mean Crotone has Sassuolo next um and then Kievo the week after that so that Kievo crotone match could be massive um it's up in Verona so obviously advantage there but um there's, it seems to be across the board, there's a lot of big matches that are going to actually have a direct uh, influence on who finishes where.
3: Well, look, that's just the consequence of the everything being so tight. and The games at this point of the season, a lot of the time, half of them or 7 out of 10 every week, mean absolutely nothing. But it's kind of flip-reverse in that 9 of the 10 now pretty much mean the world to the teams playing them unless it's Bologna or Genoa involved. But to be fair to Sassuolo, we had almost written them off because they were free-falling at points this season and they've turned it around and they look like they're fine now in Serie A. Um, we might use next week's games as a chance to talk about them a little bit more because we haven't really got that much time to do it this week. Nick, I, I think we might have reached the end here. The, Dava's popped up in the comments. That's because they are all idiots. Hashtag... <laughs> <laughs> If there, if you could just like get a, a random sentence generator that knows what Dov would say, it would just pluck out that sentence. The hashtag and it everything, it's just him to a T. That could even be his C to B wife popping up in the comments in his place. Just oh typical. Dov, go do something else. Go to sleep or something. Uh Nick, are you happy to end it here?
0: Um I'm very happy. Um might even do a, do a video or two this week. There's just so much going on. Oh, do it. We'll,
3: we'll all be looking forward to that. I can't wait to watch it already. Actually, before we end up, there, there's a pretty big game in Europe this week. Uh, Roma, of course, play Liverpool. And Roma did warm up for this game by beating Spal 3-0 in for Arrow, which is a good result, given that Spal have held Juventus there in recent weeks. But Patrick Schick got his goal. At last, I'm actually delighted for him, to be fair, because he's a fantastic player who we've spoken about to death on this. Not only this season, but last as well. But Roma will be coming up against a familiar foe in Mo Salah who can't stop scoring this year, especially at Anfield. Nick, do you give Roma any chance on, what is it, Tuesday night?
0: (laughs) You have to. I, I think no one gave them a hope against Barcelona. And they pulled off a miracle and you have to think that, um, you know, I don't want to say Liverpool's easier than Barcelona, but um, Barcelona is certainly uh, tougher opposition. So I, I can't rule out anything at this stage. Roma just continually um, proved me wrong in Europe this season, which is fantastic. It's been great. I mean, back going back to the group stage when, when we were all like, well, you know, they'll have a good go, but in... Um, you know, in, De- in Eusebio Di Francesco's first season, it's just too too much for them. And every step, they've just proved us wrong, proved us wrong. So at this point, I'm um, you know, go for it. Uh, anything's possible. And they certainly know, well, they should know how to uh, deal with the likes of Mo Salah. So that's certainly a big advantage given that that's a huge part of Liverpool's uh, attacking weaponry. So it's possible.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy that the second leg is in Rome because when I heard the draw, I thought Roma might have been away in the second leg and I, I wouldn't really give them a chance of going through in that situation. It's going to Anfield, semi-final of a Champions League for a second legs, never going to be easy. But yeah, um, whether they'll win or not on Tuesday, I'm uncertain. But they've definitely got a chance in the tie overall and if they can keep Liverpool down to, what, two goals on Tuesday night because it's going to be hard to do that they've got every chance of taking them back to the Eternal City and making their way to the Champions League final, which would just be astonishing. Um, And I know Roma fans will be frustrated with that as well because it's that exact inconsistency that almost defines this club. Um, So for them to even beat Barcelona was ridiculously good, but Mm -hmm. let's hope they can do it and restore some pride for Serie A. Nick, we've made it to the end. We went on for quite some time. Yeah. For a two-man show, I thought we did quite well.
0: Yeah, that's good. It's, I mean, I could keep talking. We can go back to um, Napoli-UVE if you want. We can do a uncut version of it.
3: Or um, should we just talk about how much we hate AC Milan? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's not true no at all. Uh, don't <laughs> don't kick off again please right guys thank you so 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 much for joining in the comments it really does make things go a lot more smoothly here even though it might not seem like it's going all that smooth but we do appreciate you tuning in every week taking time out of your sunday evening monday morning or wherever it is you are in the world just giving us your time really does does matter to us. Um, do download the audio version of this podcast just for the 90 seconds of Katharina Mira that you'll hear because it will fill your heart with joy when you hear just how emotional she is after this game. She can barely speak. Uh, she's in Rome at the moment, I think, so I'm sure she's having a good time over there. While we were recording this, actually, it did come out. There's a video. If you go over to Twitter at FFC, that's us of the scenes in Naples right now. They are letting off fireworks. They are going absolutely crazy down there, and rightly so. Another thing that we didn't mention, actually, is before the game tonight, Maurizio Sarri being pictured on the bus giving the Juventus fans (laughs) the finger as uh, Napoli rolled into the Juventus Stadium, which was brilliant. If they had a loss, that would have backfired, but the fact that they won just makes that so good. All you Napoli fans, get ready for your Scudetto winning celebrations by heading over to com, going over to the store and buying our Diego Maradona t-shirt from the captain's collection. It's a beautiful top and you'll be ready to celebrate the Scudetto in Naples in May with some fantastic pizza and beer, I'm sure. All right, Nick, let everyone know where they can find that video you're going to do this week and all the rest.
0: Um, obviously if you're watching on YouTube, um, subscribe and, uh, you'll see some cool videos coming out, uh, from not only myself, but also, um, Dov and Vieri are doing basically weekly stuff where they're answering the big questions from Sedia. So make sure you're checking them out. There's some good discussions there. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll probably do something this week. It'll be not sure what it's about, but I'm sure it'll be great. And, um, yeah, otherwise, I'm I'm around. I'm on Twitter and stuff, so check it out.
3: You go on for so long. What? <laughs> what that, do you want me to say? That took so long. You're ridiculous.
0: I thought that was short. I tried to cut that. That
3: was take, like a shortened version. Take some lessons from Vito Doria, please. Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Conjay Clancy, <laughs> and I do have a Facebook page as well that you can find just by searching my name. You basically just see the same stuff there so do that we are on instagram at forza italian football facebook at the same and twitter at seriat ffc do head over to the website football.com read our news features match reports videos and buy some of the stuff we have in our shop because it's bloody beautiful but i think that's everything i have to say for this week so until next time it's ciao for now
0: check out